This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're doing a, we're doing a series called, well, we're actually we're doing a series this, this month uh, called How You Navigate These Crazy Times. And I want to talk a little bit about confidence today. How do you have confidence in, in critical moments? And as I was thinking about confidence in critical moments, funny things that come to your mind, I remember an antiperspirant commercial from years ago. It was called Sure. I don't think they make it anymore or it's been discontinued. That means that the only way, if it's discontinued, the only way you can get it is eBay. But it was raise your hands if you're sure. And it would have people in different, this is a television commercial, it would have people in different, uh, different situations like a, a girl in class and she was going to raise her hand, but she had underarm sweat stains. And so she dropped her hand. But if you use sure antiperspirant, you could, you could raise your hand if you're sure. And I thought, you know, one of the challenges that we're dealing with today in these days of uncertainty is not a lot of people are raising their hands if they're sure. Because we're dealing with, with so much uncertainty on, on so many different levels. Right now, I'm listening to the parents of, of school-age children talk from preschool all the way up through college. I don't think anyone has a real good feel for what's actually going to take place this fall. And they're coming out with plans, but it's, it's very uncertain. And that uncertainty creates some challenges. I have no idea what they're going to do about college football, but I cannot imagine Kyle Field or Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge being a quarter full. But it's the, some of the uncertainty that we're working with. And then, of course, we're dealing with the economic recovery. How is that going to look? Who's, what companies are going to make it? What companies are going to not? And so there's still a lot of, of uncertainty about the, about what's going to take place. And then the government. Well, we've got a major election coming this year. And that means that things are going to remain a little bit the same or things are going to change dramatically. So there's some uncertainty involved with that. And last but certainly not least, people are wondering about the church. What's going to happen to the church? Let me just tell you this. The church of Jesus Christ is going to continue to do well. And so people have been predicting the demise of the church for years. They've been wrong. And I believe that the church, even though we may not be meeting in a building, the church is still alive and well. I got a text this week from one of our really good leaders, and he leads in a, one of our men's groups called Manzone. And he said, hey, Alan, I just texted one of, one of my guys in Manzone the yes prayer because he's leading one of his coworkers to the Lord and he needed to know that, that yes prayer. And I thought, man, isn't that great? In fact, he said, isn't, isn't that great church is still going on? Exactly right. The church is still going on. Guys, we're, this building is not the church. The building is where we have church services, but you're the church. And so you can take Jesus and you can take his love and peace and grace. And I love that song they sang this morning. You can take that to a world that needs him so desperately. But there's a lot of uncertainty. When will we meet again? When will we be back together? And so, again, uncertainty is kind of making no one sure. But what can we be confident in? Well, let me just give you some things this morning. As we talk about confidence, let me give you some things this morning that will help us, things that we can be confident in. And, the first, and here's the big one. We can be confident in God, in his, in his strength and ability and his willingness to help us. One of the guys who dealt with that probably more than anyone else was David. And David, as he had challenges and battles, I love I, Psalms 27 is a favorite of mine. And look what it says. The Lord, he says, my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. So he's saying, hey, listen, God is my life. He's my salvation. In other words, David's saying my confidence is him. It's not in my army. It's not in my strength. It's in him. And as we begin to develop that confidence in God, as we do that, which is, by the way, a function of our faith. It's a choice. It's something that we can do. I think it's going to set us up to handle these critical moments. And that's what we're dealing with, critical moments. It's going to set us up to handle these critical moments well. There's a, a young lady from Pakistan a number of years ago when she was 15 years old. She, she defied the Taliban and declared that women should be educated. Made them so mad, 15-year-old girl so mad, they put an assassination plot on her life and they actually shot her, but she survived. And just this past, um, I believe it's in June of this year, she graduated from Oxford University in England. And as she graduated, she wrote a post to her, her fellow graduates. She said, like everyone else, she said in the class of 2020, she said, I am missing my graduation. She said, but we, as a class, she said, we won't be defined by what we've lost, we'll be defined by how we respond to this virus. I thought that's a great word. The virus causes loss. Many people didn't get to graduate, but that won't be the defining moment. It's, it's how they respond to it. And you know, as a church, as individuals, as people who are believers on the earth, I think that's one of the things that we have to look at the most. It's not all the stuff that's going on. It's how do we respond to it? And with God, we can respond extremely well, even in the middle of the confidence, even in the middle of a crisis, even in the middle of a critical moment. We still have the ability to respond differently. Now, we've been looking for the past couple of weeks at a man named Daniel and his three friends. Daniel was a Jewish young man, grew up in, in Jerusalem. They were captured uh, the city was taken and Daniel wakes up one day. He's in Babylon. Babylon was the most powerful nation in the world at that time, a world power. They were cultured. They were educated. They had no respect for God, very volatile culture, very similar to what really what we're living with now. And so we've been looking at some of the parallels. Now this morning, I want to talk about uh, what happened to Daniel's three friends. Now they have uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are their Hebrew names. You probably know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's pretty poetic, but that's their Babylonian name. And these guys were living in Babylon when King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful king in the earth, King Nebuchadnezzar decided he's going to set up a, 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 a golden image. Now, if you go back and read the story, here's, here's, this, is, this is not Bible fact. This is Alan's interpretation of this. I believe the golden image he set up coincided with the dream that he had that Daniel interpreted of, of a, a big image where he was the golden head of that image. If you go back and read Daniel chapter two, that's, that's my thought. You say, well, can you prove that? No, that's my opinion. We'll settle it when we get to heaven. But here's the deal. He sets up this image. It's 90 feet tall and about nine feet wide, probably 90, 90, uh, nine feet square around. And it was gold. Now, I don't know if they painted it gold or overlaid it in gold, but it was gold. And it was an image. 
Nebuchadnezzar, he, he came up with this great idea. He said, we're going to play all this kind of music. He got all his leaders together. He said, when we play the music, he said, everybody just fall on their face and worship the golden image. That was the plan. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had another plan. Let's see what happened here in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image you have set up. So evidently when, when they played the music, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down. And some of the other people saw, listen, if everyone is bowing and you're standing, you're going to be standing out pretty much. And so somebody took a picture, put it on Instagram. Hey, these three guys are not bowing. No, they didn't have Instagram back then, but the word got to the king and they got ratted out by, by some of their fellow leaders, which they either were jealous of them or it's just a dog eat dog. Like I said, they had a cancel culture working back then as well. And so now they're having to stand before the king. But I, I loved what they said when the king said, are you not going to worship? Are you not going to worship my gods? I'll, I'll throw you in the, the middle of a fiery furnace. And, and they basically said, we, we don't need to answer you on this king. In other words, we don't need to think about it. We've already made up our mind. We're already solid in our commitment. And this is what I love. They said, the God whom we serve. They were solid in their commitment to God. They were, they were committed to him. And then they answered the king in a very, very bold way. When they said, they said king, he said, uh, we, we don't need to think about this. Here, here's our answer. If that be the case, in other words, if that be the case, if you throw us in this fiery furnace, said then our God, whom we serve, he's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And I love this. And he will. I, it, don't you love that? Our God is able and he will. That's powerful. And then the next phrase is something that has been preached for a long time. Um, he said, but if not. Now I want, I, want to give you, I want to give you the traditional way that this is taught. And I'm going to throw an alternative. You know how some movies have a, an alternative ending? I'm going to give you another one to this. They said, but if not. And some people have read this to me. If God doesn't deliver us, just let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to bow and we're not going to serve. It ain't happening for us. And, and boy, you, don't you love that? The commitment is, hey, we're not doing it regardless. But let me give you another just alternative ending. This is a, I heard a friend of mine minister this. I have a lot of respect for him. And I think this is, a, this is another perspective to look at this. When, when the king said, I'm going to throw you in, they said to him, if that's the case, if you throw us in, God will deliver us. But if not, so what if they're saying, but if you don't throw us in, just let it be known to you, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to worship a golden image. I kind of like that alternative ending. 
because it, it makes the first thing they said very definitive. God's able and he will. But if you don't throw us in, hey, we're still not going to bow down and we're still not going to worship. You say, well, which one's right? Hey, I'm not going to take away from either one of them. I believe both of them show a huge level of confidence in God and a huge level of commitment and such courage to stand before the king and say, it's not happening with us and our God's going to get us through this. Love that. You say, well, how'd the king respond to that? Well, made him mad. Made him real mad. In fact, it made him so mad that he commanded that they heat that furnace up seven times hotter than it normally is. And every time I think about that, I think, man, that, that, that's amazing. In fact, he heated it up so hot that it killed the strong men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. It killed them. Back when I was 15, my sister was 13. We lived out in the, a little bit out in the country and we had a, big, had a big living room with a big fireplace. And one cold winter night, my dad and my mom were hosting a, 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 their Baptist Sunday school class. And they, they, look, they looked at me and my dad said, now when we come back, he said, I want there to be a roaring fire in that fireplace. And so my sister and I took them very seriously. And they left. They weren't back for a few hours. But we kept the roaring fire going in the fireplace the entire time that they were gone. And we were burning pine. If you know anything about burning pine, it burns hot. And man, it was burning hot. In fact, when they came back, <laughs> my dad said, Alan, we can't even walk into the living room. The fire was so hot, you couldn't even step in. And uh, in fact, we cracked the fireplace. I thought I was in big trouble. My dad said, nope, you did exactly what I said to do. You, you kept that fire burning. Well, the King Nebuchadnezzar is so mad that he fires up that furnace seven times hotter. And they bind their hands and feet and they throw these men into the fiery furnace. But even though they're in the fire, God never abandoned them. Look what happened. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished as he rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the, of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the midst of the fire and the satraps and ministers, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that these men on whose bodies the fire had no power, the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Man, you gotta love that. So Nebuchadnezzar, the powerful king, the most powerful king in the world, he looks up and he sees not one, not two, not three, four men walking around. Nobody's burnt, they're loose. In fact, the only thing the fire burned was the ropes holding them. So they, they might've been thrown into the fire, but thank God they were not abandoned. They might've been thrown into the fire, but God was with them the whole time. And I don't know who it was in that fire. He said, it looked like the son of God. My guess is an angel. Say, Alan, do you believe in angels? Absolutely, I believe in angels. Somebody was in that fire because when they called them, they walked out under their own power, thrown in, bound, came out free. And they didn't even smell like fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. Man, that's a great story. Say, Alan, do you believe that? Of course I believe it because the same God that created fire knows how to diminish it. And boy, he took care of these guys. And even though they had to go through the fire, that's exactly what happened 
They came through the fire. You're talking about confidence. You're talking about dealing with critical moments. These three guys, boy, they, they dealt with some incredibly critical moments. How do we, how do we grow in our confidence toward God? Guys, we're facing critical moments right now all, all around us, whether in your family, family relationships, maybe it's, it's finances, maybe it's just dealing with the uncertainty, but we're all facing stuff, all facing critical times. How do we do it? I think the first one is, is this. We can, we can look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we can learn from their pattern. See, I think this is the time not to back away from our relationship with God, this is the time to become more committed to our relationship with God, where we, we make up our minds, we're serving God. You know, I came to the Lord when I was 18, almost 19 years old, and just had a wonderful experience with God. Just was, man, just gloriously born again, filled with the Spirit. It was an experience with God. I was away from my home. I was away selling books for a summer, and I came back and went to college. And even though my heart was right, my commitment level was low. And as I came back, I, man, I, I had a bunch of fraternity brothers and th these guys, academics was not number one on their mind. Partying was. And they would say, hey, come on, Alan, let, let's party some. And I'm like, no, no. But then I'm like, well, just a little bit. <laughs> and you know, just a little bit turned to just a lot of bit. And, and after a while, you couldn't even tell I, I had a relationship with the Lord. I committed. I, I, had, had, a, I had one but my commitment level wasn't there because I, it was situational. Every time I was having to make a decision, hey, do I, do I smoke a joint with them or do I leave it alone? Hey, do I go party with them? Do I leave it alone? Hey, do I get involved with this girl? Do I, do, do I leave her alone? It was situational. But let's fast forward three years. Three years later, when I, when I came back to the Lord, man, I came back and I said, Lord, here's my life and I'm, you, I'm yours. Heart was still towards God, but this time the commitment level was there. And when the commitment level was there, I remember I threw away all my drugs. Now, I wasn't a hard drug user. I was a marijuana user. Threw away all my drugs, all my, all my paraphernalia. Stopped hanging out at this club that I was hanging out with. And so I, I'm doing great. And all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, four women from my past showed up. Four of them calling me, talking to me. Hey, Alan. And, you know, and... And I always envisioned myself, it was an illusion, but I envisioned myself as a ladies' man, so this is a problem. And I, but, but you know what? I'd already made up my mind. So it was no, 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 and no. And man, they were giving me all kinds of invitations, and it was no. People invited me to party, smoke a joint with them. No. Why? It wasn't situational anymore. I'd already committed. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve God. Listen, guys, don't make this situational. Make this a determination. Regardless of what happens, I'm serving God. And he's the one that we serve and our commitments to him. And you say, why is that even important? Because we're living in a day, guys, we've become more of the minority than ever before. And as we are more of the minority, then as you see people and they, they have their gods that they bow down to and we're standing upright. So they may be bowing down to the God of materialism or sex or money or, or politics or earth or climate or whatever their God is. And we're the ones going, no, no, we're not doing that. We're going to stand out even more. You ever notice now that you could attack, you can attack publicly a, a Muslim or a Buddhist and get, and man, they will, the social media will come after you. You attack a Christian, no one says anything. 
So our, our position, we need to know where we stand. Our position is getting strong, but here's where we stand. I love that Paul shared this when he said this in Timothy. He said, For the, to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach. In other words, people saying stuff about us. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. I love that phrase. We trust in the living God. Our God's a living God. Listen, money is good, but it's not, it's not a living God. It's a dead God. Politics is a dead God. Materialism is a dead God. Our God is a living God. And he's the savior of all men, especially those of us who said, I believe. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he's the son of God. He's the savior. We're committed. And we, this is the time we, get, we make up our mind. This is where I am. I'm committed. The second thing is we begin to grow in our confidence in God. We begin to grow in our, our confidence about how we talk about God, the, the certainty of how we talk. The three Hebrew children, when they stood before the king, they said, our God can do this. Not only is he strong enough to do this, he will do this. He will help us. Now, I started thinking about that and you think, man, that's some bold, that's bold things to say. But if you look all through the Bible, as you see these heroes of our faith, they're all saying bold things. They're all saying, remember David? When he stood before King Saul, Goliath was intimidating everyone. And, and Saul looked at the teenage boy and said, you can't go fight him. And David said, you know, he said, the Lord delivered me from the paw, the lion and the bear. He will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Man, that's, that's some confidence. Listen to how some of these heroes of our faith, how they talked. There's a certainty in him. There's a certainty in David when he says in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a certainty in that. And David, David was one who lived over on the, on the positive side of his relationship with God. He wasn't talking, wondering. He was talking God's helping. Paul was one who said toward the end of his life, he said, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. And he said, those are, those are bold statements. Listen, it's okay to say these bold statements. And it's okay during this time to begin to say something. One of the things we say around here all the time, Joy and I say it, our staff's picked it up. We say it all the time. The Lord's helping us. The Lord is helping us. Well, if you can't say anything else, you can say this. The Lord is helping and he is helping me. Joy and I have, have held on to that for you. Sometimes when you don't know what to say, we say, man, we, we got a God who's good and our God is big and our God is helping us. Another thing we've been saying a lot around our house is the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And our God is helping us. That's a great thing to say. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if I should say that. Listen, listen, we need, we need to, especially in critical moments, we need to get over on the positive side, the confident side that we've got a God and he's a big God and he's our God and he's our father and he is helping us us. Well, that makes all the difference in the world. If you just even say that to yourself, the Lord will help us. The Lord will provide for us. The Lord will strengthen us. The Lord will enlighten us. The Lord will do that. Not just for David, not just for Paul, not just for the three Hebrew children, for anyone who will put their trust in him. He'll do it. And so this is when we develop confidence in our God. Listen, everyone else is looking for some place to show confidence in. We've got a God we can be confident in. And here's the, here's the last one. It's, it's the confidence that we have because we're not alone. One of the, probably one of the most memorable stories to me, 
It was a story I read years ago in a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And it was the story of Admiral James Stocksdale, who was the highest ranking uh, prisoner of war in the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War. James Stockdale. And he got shot down over Vietnam in the 60s and spent eight years in a prisoner of war camp. Eight years. And Jim Collins is talking to him and he says, he said to him, he said, Admiral, how did, how did you come through that? And Admiral said, well, he said, I had an unwavering faith that I was going to come through it. He said, and it would be a defining moment of my life. He said, but I added to that. He said, a willingness to face the brutal facts and reality. In fact, Jim Collins called it the Stockdale paradox. Belief that you're going to come through, a willingness to face the facts. Now, Jim asked him, he said, Admiral, who didn't make it? And, and Stockdale spoke up immediately, said, that's easy. He said, the optimist, which surprised Collins. He said, the optimist. He said, well, what I call the optimist. He said, those were the guys who said, we're going to be out by Christmas and Christmas would come and go. We're going to be out by Easter and Easter would come and go. We're going to be out by Thanksgiving. He said, and when these events would pass, they would just break their hearts. They didn't make it. He said, I just held on to the belief that I'm coming out. Now, when I read that, I think, man, that is, that is something I really believe we can apply as, as individuals, as a church, as, as families, as individuals, that we have to be willing to face the challenges of what we're dealing with. I don't know how long this thing is going to last. I do know this. I do know we're going to come through it. So we have an unwavering faith that says, I'm going to come through this. They say, well, I don't know that I have the mental resolve and the mental strength that Admiral Stocksdale had, Stockdale said, had that says, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to make it through that. And you know what? I don't know that I do either, but here's what I do know. I do know that I am not alone and my faith is not based on my strength. It's based on the one that I'm connected to. And I got a great verse for you in Isaiah 43. Isaiah lived about 200 years before Daniel did. Look what he says. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name, your mind. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Guys, can you put that first part back up? I, I, I just want to show you. L listen, this doesn't just apply to Isaiah. This applies to us. Did God create us? Yes, we didn't evolve. We were created. We were formed by him. Has he redeemed us? Absolutely. By the blood of Jesus, he has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. He's called, we're called by his name. We belong to him. So more those are good news. But you can stop right there and go, that's great. I'm redeemed. I'm created. I'm called. I belong to God. He knows my name. But it doesn't stop there. He said, when you pass through the waters, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to pass through the, the waters and the overflowing rivers. And this is what we don't like. We don't like having to go through this stuff. But listen, in this life, we're going to go through stuff. But it's not just a matter of we go through it. It's a matter of who goes through it with us and that we are going through. I love that. We pass through the waters. We pass through the river. When we pass through the fire, we will not be burned. What gives us the confidence that we're going to come through this. Alan, when is this going to end? When are they going to have an answer for this? I don't know when the time frame is. I do know this. I know as a church, as a family, as an individual, we're coming through this. I know it's ending. And I know God is helping us. 
and he can provide for us that when we come out on the other side, we don't even smell like smoke. Man, we come out strong. Isn't isn't God good? That's the way he operates. That's the way he works. Listen, if you don't know him, boy, this is a great time to make an about face. If you had a relationship with him and you've gotten away from it, this is a great time to just turn around and go, you know what? I'm coming back. I'm committed. I'm, I'm going to commit to him I'm not, I'm not a situational Christian anymore. I'm a committed one. And I really believe God will help me. I've always said this, listen, it's good to know that God is with us, but it's also good to know that we're with him. And so that, that's our heart. But we're going to say a prayer today. And, and maybe if, if you're not sure where you stand with the Lord or you know you need to come back, man, this is a great prayer. It's for you. And you think, well, can, can I pray this prayer? This prayer work for me? Absolutely. It's a powerful prayer. And if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. And then afterwards, there's, a, there's an indication. You can text us at 313131, in, the word in, and we'll get some information back to you. You can let us know that you made a decision. We'll get some information to you. We value the decision. It's a powerful decision. But here's the deal. We're going to pray this prayer. This is for you. This is the time. So I'm going to pray it with you. You pray it out. I say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior. It's the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, let me just pray just a moment for those of you who who prayed that prayer and also for those of you who are sitting, who are watching wherever you are. If, if this kind of sparked you on the inside, listen, listen, that's not me. That's God trying to encourage you. You're going to make this. You're coming through this. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those that stepped out of darkness to light, and for those, Father, who know you, who are walking with you, who serve you. Thank you, Father. You've never left us. You said you never would. And Lord, we just thank you. Our confidence, our hope, our strength is in you. Thank you for just reinforcing that today and throughout the week. We'll give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, let me bless you. Before I go, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.